Misread is a book podcast where we review books, discuss topics, and provide social commentary on what's happening today. Welcome back to another podcast of Misread. Today we are talking about white privilege <laughs> and somehow we're going to segue that into poetry yes. <laughs> so, this should be this should be interesting yes um okay so white privilege that is um a hot topic a hot topic which is interesting because i so i'm a woman in gender is major yeah uh, i graduated quite some time ago uh from university of toronto and being, uh, you know, a woman in gender major, white privilege is it's almost like a, a regular concept. It's just something that, we, you know, you talk about all the time. It's just embodied. It just lives. And I noticed that in the last few years, all of a sudden this term that, you know, was so normal for me and I just thought everyone kind of knew it existed is actually like a quote-unquote, like you said, like it's a hot topic. Yeah. And it's now something that we even talk about on social media and there's like this, you know, this big hoopla around white privilege. So I thought that, it would be really great for us to read this article mm-hmm. um, by Peggy McIntosh called Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. Uh, basically, what the article is about is her having a moment to realize that as a white woman, she has advantages and certain privileges that, you know, her her black counterparts, female friends or even males don't have. What I liked about what she said was that it came from her, you know, researching and studying about feminism I guess in a way and male dominance yes and you know men not noticing where they have advantages and it made her stop and think wait a second am I aware of the advantages that I have as a white woman yeah so I I like that and I thought that was honest of her yeah I liked when she said um I realized I had been taught about racism as something that puts others at a disadvantage but had been taught not to see um one of its corollary Mm -hmm. aspects white privilege which puts me at an advantage that's so interesting so i know that you're at a disadvantage but i don't see myself as an advantage and she also says i did not see myself as a racist because i was taught to recognize racism only in individual acts of meanness by members of my group never in in invisible systems conferring unsought racial dominance on my group from birth yes and it touches on even when she was how she came about this um this strain of thoughts about she went about it from the feminism perspective yeah. and understanding that men, some men are unconscious about it. Yeah. They are aware that they're at a, that they have some type of advantage. Yeah. Um, they are aware that some women don't have all the rights, but they continue their lives unconsciously being aware that they are contributing to that, um, to some women being at a disadvantage and to bring yeah. it back to race. That's when she said she looked within herself exactly. and she did her own research and realized that she was also part of the problem when it comes when yep. it comes to racial divide. And it's important it's important what you're saying because racism doesn't have to be obvious. And we tend to mark it as that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be obvious. Mm-hmm. Racism is actually embedded in day-to-day life, the way we see, view, mm-hmm. act, speak everything Mm -hmm. so i I definitely like that so basically in the article she goes on to i think she lists um one to 50 50 uh, examples 50 examples uh, of white privilege yes and i know me and you highlighted a few of our favorites yes so i don't know do you want to just 
you want to start with some of the ones that you liked? Yeah, I'll go with... Um, first of all, I commend her for yeah, this. Yeah. Like, she really did an internal work and she really... I appreciate her really looking, uh, doing an introspect and seeing how how and where her privilege lays and how in comparison to others, there she, she's allowed, she's able to do a lot of things without even thinking about it. Exactly. Whereas others from like black people or any minority may have to think twice about doing something. Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind, I actually experienced it here uh, when I went to hold oh. Renfro. One of the one of number five on her list says, "I can go shopping alone most of the time. Pretty well assured that will that I will not be followed or harassed." And um, yeah, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm not the only one no, who can relate. But it, I but it was my first time experiencing that when I went to hold Red Fruit, and I don't know. I think I was looking for a pair of Miu Miu glasses. They're hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to hold rent for, for to find this <laughs> of, of frames and this man really not subtle, really not subtle was just like walking behind me, like not even like five feet away. Like this guy wow. was like behind me, and it made me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. It made me feel like okay, I'm really out of place. I should yeah. leave. But I had like I really needed glasses. Yeah. I was there to buy glasses, but because of the Experience, because of yeah. that experience and i'm pretty sure like in her life when she goes on and on about her day she doesn't think about any of these any yeah. of this which okay before i dive into some of the ones i like and before we continue i want to say this white privilege i think the problem that a lot of people have with it a lot of white people have with recognizing white privilege is that white privilege are actual things that shouldn't even be privileges it's normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what she says. That's what she says in mm-hmm. here. And that's what I like. Because I think when people think of white privilege, they think of this over-the-top advantage. of No, no, no. We're talking about normalcy. Mm-hmm. Things that should be just normal for everybody and actually shouldn't be seen as a privilege yeah. aren't given to anyone. And that's what makes it a privilege. So for white people that get offended when they hear white, white privilege... No, it's 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 literally what she says. It's unveiling and, you know, unpacking a knapsack of just normal things that mm-hmm. happen in your day-to-day life yeah. that you don't have to think about. It doesn't have to be a big-scale, quote-unquote, ev- advantage over someone. It's literally in the smallest things. But she says, she talks about it too. When we use the word privilege, maybe that's where the dissonance mm. happens. Yeah, yeah. Because when, when you think about privileges, you think it's something... Or someone who deserves something because she yes. does such and such things. So yes. she, she's, uh, we're holding them in a higher regard. But when you talk about like white privilege, or it's it's like an innate thing. You didn't yeah. do anything to you didn't deserve right, right. Um, a better place in society. You were just born into it. Exactly. It's 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 unearned. So exactly. it shouldn't it shouldn't be seen as a it shouldn't be a privilege. No, no, and and we're not talking about it in in that in that term. Yeah, but she she un, she unpacks yeah. that. Uh, I like that those those two uh, those two differences, and I thought that was interesting, and that's why it's systemic. One hundred percent. Because you didn't do anything to deserve no. it. You didn't do. You didn't save the world. You didn't do nothing. But you're just born into it, so it's yeah. systemic. That's yeah. why, and that's why it's so hard for them to to differentiate when yeah. when it happens. Um, I would say number seven I liked. When I'm told about our national heritage or about civilization, I'm shown that people of my color made it what it is. Yeah. Number 15 mm-hmm. I liked. 
Um, and number 15 actually connected with number 25, so I'll say them both. Uh, yeah. She says, I don't have to educate my children to be aware of systematic racism mm -hmm. for their own daily physical protection. And then 25 is, if a traffic cop pulls me over or if the IRS audits my tax return, I can be sure I haven't been singled out because of my race. Those two literally tie into each other because it, it's, it's a sad truth that, you know, black people, we do have to talk to our children yeah. about how to move in day-to-day -day life because it can literally infringe on their existence and it also ties to number 14 where she says i can arrange to protect mm. my children most of the time from people who might not like them yes and yes the tragedy in all this is you actually cannot protect your children once they're out there once they're out the house you can have a conversation with them you can tell them how to you're you're going to raise them to behave a certain way but regardless and yeah. she also talks about an article and she talks about merit regardless yes. of how perfect you are proper perfect vocabulary eloquent elegant regardless of all these things that you do so that people can look at you in a good way and not be scared of you it doesn't matter if you're going to be discriminated against it's not because of your good grades it's not because you're a doctor it's not because you did very well to yourself That's for so yourself true. so you ride you, you you drive a mercedes no it's like you drive a mercedes but you're black uh, yeah. something must be wrong with that picture let me pull you over yeah you know and I, I love what you're saying because it, it, number 20 kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of relate to, to that mm -hmm. and making the connection because it says, I can do well in a challenging situation without being called a credit to my race. And that kind of touches on what you're saying, just the idea that when you have like, so there's this concept that when a person of color does something really good. We want to know all about them. Mm -hmm. We, we want to know about their, their upbringing. And, oh, my God, we're so interested in this person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's you're, you're black and you, you did this amazing thing. We want to know all about you. Contrary yeah. is when white people do something bad, we want to know all about them. Right. Oh, my gosh. He, he, he killed a whole bunch of people. He went yeah. to a school. He didn't matter. Oh, and now I got to know all about him because that, that's not normal. Yeah. But where, where did he come from? He mm -hmm. must have a mental illness. It, like... Literally, the way that we view, you know what I mean, like races and how we view different cultures ties into when one culture does something good, our interest level goes up. Yeah. And when one culture does something bad, our interest level goes up because naturally what we expect from them. Yeah. So so we don't expect excellence no. from black people. So when they do, it's like, oh my we gosh. We want to know all about you. We want to praise you. Yeah. Which even, she goes, uh, number 21, I've never... I've, I am never asked to speak for all people of my racial group, yeah. which is true because now if you're, you know, for instance, I always say Barack Obama was one of the best things that ever happened to American history, but also one of the worst because it gave white people a thing. Well, you had a black president. You know what I mean? It's like now he speaks for everybody and he's now the epitome of, you know what I mean? And it's like. I, I don't know. I yeah, just I, the no. fact that she said that I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so true. No, that I, is so true. And even to go back to the when like a black person does something good mm -hmm. you see it on the blogs like so when it's graduation time oh he got into 20 universities oh he got into a seven years university full scholarship da, da, da. and it's like there's so much praise sometimes i look at it like what's going on guys he got into university okay he didn't graduate yet mm -hmm. he didn't like the it's it's an accomplishment and it's a beautiful journey but 
Are we supposed to be praising it that much? Because it should be normal. It should be if normal, it's your path, yeah. some people don't go to school and end up doing great, amazing things, and that's that's amazing. And some people go to school and go on to become amazing people. It's if it's in your path, it's in your path. I don't think it should. I don't know if I'm speaking against it or I don't know, but I, I don't think it should be praised to that level, like just because you're going into a university. Yeah. I I, I, I I do I do like the because I think it's it's important for young people to um, see themselves to see themselves and be be excited. So I agree with it in that sense. But I also feel like the it should become normal. Yeah, to see young black people, you know, we should be we should be excited because it's normal. It's happening to everybody. Yeah, that kind of. And thing. actually, it comes back to the one of the points that I highlighted. Okay. Which is, I can easily buy posters, postcards, picture books, <laughs> greeting cards, dolls, toys, and children's magazines featuring people of my race. 100%. And to tie back, like when you said, um, it's good to see young black people yes. progressing in, 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 on, on a higher platform. And that goes back to presentation. Because, yeah. because we don't see it that often in the media. Although it happens in the world. It happens in our world every day. Every year. Yeah. But because it's not presented in the media as such. When we see it, it's like, oh, cool, great, amazing. But that's also because we are misrepresented in the media. Yes, that's very true. That's, very, that that's a with perfect that. point. What else did you like? I like number 34. 34. Uh, I can worry about racism without being seen as self-interested or self-seeking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I picked also, I can travel alone or with my spouse without expecting embarrassment or hostility in those who deal with us. Yes. So, number 35. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to go on a tangent mm-hmm. because it strikes this little thing in me that, you know. Um, but 35 is, I can take a job with an affirmative action employer without having my coworkers on the job suspect that I got it because of my race. Yeah. Affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Can we talk just for two seconds? I, I won't ramble because it literally is like, I think I even wrote an essay on it once. The idea of affirmative action, I do not know why people continue to tie that in with black people getting opportunities. Affirmative action did the most for white women. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. And I even have a little article here. Okay? <laughs> Somewhere here. Yeah. Affirmative action. And white women benefit from affirmative action the most. Because what happened was, you know, around the time when we have first wave feminism and, you know, we have this whole movement of women getting into the workplace, mm-hmm. affirmative action was there to make sure that women were getting opportunities. Yeah. More than people of color. So her mentioning that I just wanted to be like, Oh my God, I appreciate you as a white woman to say that. I so appreciate you saying that because if you have an affirmative action employer, a lot of the times the women are the ones, are the ones that are benefiting from that, especially white women. And even if you look at the history, if we really dissect cast and we look into the history of percentages, it's white women Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it, that doesn't discredit these women from being in this. And, and anyone of color or anyone who's disabled or anyone of anything. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're lesser than and you're getting an opportunity. No, it means that I'm just as qualified, but I'm just going to get an opportunity. Yeah. So th- that they affirmative They definitely turn this affirmative 100%. thing into something negative or something. 100%. Just, oh, well, you're here because of... Right. You're only here because of only that. Here. You're only here because of this yeah. and that, of a quota. 
which it does a disservice. 100%. So that, that's my little affirmative action rant. Maybe one day we'll dive deeper into that because I have <laughs> so much gripe. But, but there's a, she, she mentions it too in the article and when she says there are different types of um, like women um, experience things um, people from people who are gay and lesbians, people who are older, there's discrimination on all levels. And basically what she says is that it has to be interconnected in order for us yes. to like really grow, which goes back to like, um, like intersectional. Yeah. Feminism. Like interlocking oppressions that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also like when we're talking about like, uh, let's say how the affirmative system really benefited white women. And that's, I think when you realize that it, that's why the intersectional, component in feminism came about because you're there are battles that white men, women fought that did not take into consideration people from minority from who have a different sexual orientation from yeah. a background that's just different from theirs and she touches on it a little bit in the article as well and I thought it was interesting okay. um but I love I love the article I really appreciate Peggy making touch really going into that yeah. and um that was great even and to 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 tie it with um the poetry that we're yes. gonna discuss um a lot of the poets that we read are and some of them some of them um explore racism yeah in their poetry and um one that comes to mind is Dana Smith, maybe it's Dana Smith. I'm sorry if I butchered <laughs> your name. My first language is French. People. Okay, so I'm sorry, but I absolutely love, love, love. Oh my god, I love his poetry. I bought his book like a couple months ago. Okay, and I think I remember re reading the first pages, and I was like, I'm not ready for this, and I put it down, and then I rediscovered it. Um, couple weeks ago and I'm so glad that I did um just to speak briefly on him Dennis started as a spoken word artist okay so he didn't always write he made that conscious decision to go from performing performing into writing exactly. what he was uh, okay. so this one is called Dear White America and it's one of his most famous spoken word performance that he wrote that and I'm not going to read all of it it is long but I I thought it was good. So he says, and it's all the way that it's written. There's no, it's like one big text. So okay. I'm not going to perform it. <laughs> it's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> so it starts as, um, I've left earth in search of darker planets, a solar system revolving too near a black hole. I've left in search of a new God. I do not trust the God you have given us. My grandmother's hallelujah is only outdone by the fear she nurses every time the blood-fat summer swallows another child who used to sing in the choir. Take your God back. Though his songs are beautiful, his miracles are inconsistent. I want the fate of La Lazarus for Renisha. Want Chucky, Bo, Meech, Trayvon, Sean, and Janila rising three days after their their entombing, their ghosts regifted flesh and blood. Their flesh and blood regifted their children. He poetized our daily rituals. So there's like one poem where he taught. He mentions a durag, and I was like, "You okay. are so lit! Like, why are you so lit?" Um, let me see if I saved it. Okay, so he says, 
Um, this is how we are born. Come morning after we cipher, feast, hope we dig. A new one from the ground, take, take him out of the tree box, shake worms. From his braids, sometimes they'll sing, a trap god hymn, what a first bread. Sometimes it's their the eyes who lead, scanning for bone flesh men in blue. We say, congrats, you're a boy again. We give him a durag, a bowl, a second chance. We send him off to wander for a day or ever, let him pick his new name. That boy was Trayvon, now called Rain King. That main Sean named himself I Do, I Do. Oh, the imagination of a new reborn boy. But most of us settle on alive. Wow. So that talks about, obviously, a little bit about police brutality. Yeah. Um, violence against black bodies. And about, and I love how he's like, we welcome him back. Yeah. You know, like, re regardless of where he came from, we don't just put him to the side. No. We welcome him back and we sing a trap god him and I, I it's so relevant right because trap music yeah. is so in right now and he just he poetized like that. our I daily yeah daily yeah. occurrences that we do speaking yeah. of modern poetry mm -hmm. i know that was something you know you and i had a conversation about and what is poetry now yeah you know what i mean you have a lot of you know quote-unquote poets or poems that it's a matter of you know is it is it really poetry or is it just is it prose is it text is it yeah, instagram like what captions is, like so. what is it and it's <laughs> like uh rupee core yeah milk and honey i thought it was great mm -hmm. um but a lot of stuff that i liked i would always i would i would circle and i even have a note that says poetry or good advice mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like uh so she has this one called i think it's two fathers with daughters mm -hmm. Every time you tell your daughter, you yell at her uh, out of love. You teach her to confuse anger with kindness, which seems like a good idea till she grows up and to trust men who hurt her because they look so much like you. I thought, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think, but, but then again, what is, what is poetry? Like, is poetry, like, I feel like with quote unquote modern poetry, mm -hmm. It's less about the technicalities yes. of how we see poetry yes. and more of just what you feel, I guess. It's more of an yes. internal thing. I think I think we're in a society now where everything is labelless and everything is binary and and, yeah. and now it's it's leaking itself from you know into the arts. Yeah, because you know you, you have like gender this whole gender bending, you have mm -hmm. racial bending in some ways, you have, you know, sexual bending and now it's like coming into narrative and writing and music has different genres and we're, i guess now they're removing the technicalities yeah. and just going straight into the feeling or the emotion yeah, yeah. i guess i'm assuming i'm that's what i'm getting i i think we're a little bit from from the old school where this is how you see poetry yes. and now our minds are you know having to accept this new form right and i am not against it no poetry poetry can be it could also it could it could even be just one line. It's about the emotion right. brought forth and it's also a play on words. That's it is. It's the imagination that you bring forth. The metaphors. The metaphors yeah. or the different forms that you use to bring about an image through your words in a short whether it's one sentence or like a prose of, you know, regardless, um, that's what for me that's what it's about. And 
I read Milk and Honey, and I appreciate Rupi Kaur. Yeah. There's a, there's a few of them that I was like, mm, this is good, this is good. But I kind of felt like, that's why I call it Instagram captions. It is great for an Instagram caption. Yeah. But it's, I find that sometimes, although I commend her because she speaks a lot on abuse. Yeah. On violence, on depression, and also on healing and loving and yeah. all that stuff. So I can appreciate the themes that she um, she explores because all of us can relate in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I find that it's it there wasn't there wasn't the the play on words that I liked. There wasn't the okay. the vivid. Was it not deep enough? Maybe not enough. No, the, some of the it's it's deep. What she okay. talks about is deep, but it's like it's as if I was to sit down with you and tell you about something that happened to me. Yeah. It's as if I was home and I was texting you about, hey, this happened and not in all her poetry, but in some of them and I was just like, this is like a text. It didn't mm-hmm. bring an imagery. It was. It's very straightforward. It's yeah. basic in the in the sense of the the form. I guess I find that it was. It's it's not flat, but it's a basic. It's. I was saying before. It's like some of them is like a text that you send to your man when you haven't seen him in two two days, and it's yeah. eleven p.m. and you miss him. It's <laughs> yeah. like it's all right. You yeah. know what I mean. So that's how I that's how I interpret it but listen I give her kudos there are some of them in there that I was like wow this is really good or wow this is sad or I can't believe she went through that and such so on and so forth um but for me it would be considered millennial poetry for sure I think I think the way that I viewed you know some of her stuff perfect for you know captions and little reminders yeah statements Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know if I would consider it poetry I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's ignorant for me to say. I'm not sure. Um, mm. But I know, like one of them, I'm learning how to love him by loving myself. Yeah, yeah. you see what I yeah, mean. Yeah, you know, um, loneliness. It's, like, is it's a, a thought you have to your own. Right, self. right. But it, but it's real, and it's and there's real. depth in it. So mm. that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, loneliness is a sign you are in desperate need of yourself. I think that's motivational. Maybe that's what I would say. I would find um, this read. But where's the style in that? Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. style. Like it's it's for me that's it's to say like it's very. It's basic. What you said again? Loneliness is is a, is a sign you are in desperate need of yourself. It's like you said. You said it's a statement. That yeah. It's a statement. And it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. Um, she has one that says, I am a museum full of art, mm-hmm. but you had your eyes shut. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yes. See, there's this, this an imagery she brought yeah. forth. A museum. When you think yeah. about museum and art, there's so much. There's so much beauty. There's so much depth. There's so many layers. You can... I would love to get a poet's perspective, perspective. Yeah. On, on that because I definitely don't... Like, this is a conversation that we're having, and we want people to, you know, our subscribers, like, let's talk about this. And, yeah. you know, maybe you can tell us something or give us a perspective that we're not touching on or that we don't see. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, I definitely don't want to be ignorant in saying that something is not poetry. But then at the same time, I think that the style you has can, changed. yeah, the style has changed a lot. And, and yeah. maybe we should just call it something else. And to me, if, if, if it is to be, if she considers it a collection of poetry, so and so it is, and True. I, and so it is, and I will accept it as that, and but I will still 
still have my opinion that for me this was basic yeah. poetry. And yeah. it's and but I also think that if you know someone who isn't well versed in poetry, I think it is a good introduction. Yeah. To poetry. It's like poetry light. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So what did you think about salt? Salt. Uh, <laughs> so salt was written by her name is um Naira Wahid. Wahid. Yeah. Um I love salt. I think it was good too. <laughs> I love salt and I and I love the themes that she explores. Salt, she's um Naira Wahid is Nigerian. I believe she's Nigerian and uh, she touches on immigration um leaving her land she talks a lot about about home and how it is and moving to america and the experience that she got in america as a nigerian she talks she, she touches on black american versus african yes she touches Which on she that spoke about in our last podcast yeah. yeah she touches on that and she um um she i also love her some of her poetry talks about like it refers to like inner growth, okay. inner like her your power to to flow into she 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 uses a lot her metaphors are a lot about the moon. Okay. I don't know if you noticed. Okay, I didn't. She touches she uses like she uses um a lot of symbols like in that realm of things and I really appreciated like that. that. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I thought her, I, th- I think her work is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, one thing I did want to make sure that I clarify mm-hmm. is, especially when we're having this discussion about modern poetry, yeah. is that I'm not saying something's not poetry to, uh, based on its simplicity. That's yeah. not what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Salt is beautiful poetry mm-hmm. and she's got one-liners. Yeah, so, she does. So that, that's a distinction I want to make for our listeners is that it's not a matter of simplicity. It doesn't have to, the cat and the hat. and the, No, no, no. That's not what I mean. But Salt somehow was able to embody what I guess my conventional views of what I feel like is poetry, even in one-liners, mm-hmm. in, you know, a lot of simple texts. Um, one of the things I, I loved was take the art, slice it from their skin, Leave the color behind. Yes. Oh my god. Love that one too. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. How eloquent. And it says so much. So much. It speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. And she also has she has a another one. Um she says, Oh, you sold those photographs, the ones you were so excited about, the one you caught with children, with being children, the one with the woman you thought so beautiful, you and your camera, eat as much as one stomach and three SD cards can hold. Get on a plane and leave with the belief that your eyes are clean, honest, artistic. Yes. Such as that. And yep. it says a lot. That says it, a lot. It, it, it says a lot about... It says a lot. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, and this is, again, something that we touched on on the last podcast is the gaze. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think you're doing something as a service or, you know, your perspective is unbiased. Artistic. Artistic almost. But you're taking culture, you're taking, you know, history, and you're creating it into something and making millions of dollars off of it. You have an agenda with this. 
Exactly. You know what 100%. I mean? You, you you come, you go to these places and you take these photographs and you 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 make your money and you you when you go to these places, you have an assignment. Of course. There's a reason why there are specific pictures portraying Africa the way that it is being portrayed. 100%. It doesn't really go into... It doesn't give you a full picture. That's why... I think that's where her frustration comes when she yes. she wrote those poems. And, yeah. What I like, too, is that um, the art in her work yeah. is being able to take such huge concepts and mm-hmm. such embodied, you know conversations and just scaling it right down Mm -hmm. to a few words yeah that is art that is genius and that is definitely something that i can i can respect i loved her um she's got one here i think it says you see your face you see a flaw how if you're the only one who has this face I get so excited. Like, that is beautiful. It is. She's so good. What is a... And it it really makes... It even made me stop and think. Like, wait a second. What is a flaw? Yeah. If every single person is completely different... And unique. And unique individuality, then why is it that I call this thing on my face or, oh, this is over here or my eye is... How... How do I judge that as even being a flaw? There's a sentence, there's a phrase that says, who told you you were not beautiful? Yeah. It ties in with that. Yeah. Yeah, who said it was a flaw? Who made you believe it was a flaw? Who made you believe you were not? Who told you you were not beautiful? It's very, it's very interesting. Lover. It's very interesting. There's another one that I like. Um, I think it's called Less. Um, she says... I want more men with flowers falling from their skin, more water in their eyes, more tremble in their bodies, more women in their hearts than on their hands, more softness, more softness in their height, more honesty in their voice, more wonder, more humility in their feet. Yeah. Nayira Wahid, I love you. I think we're all looking for men like that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and she she says that she she has a couple of um, portraits where she. She she touches on men and there's another one called Wade. She says he was so beautiful because when he held her, he was not concerned with being a man. Being a man had nothing to do with this. These flowers pouring from his chest. I love how she tied in yeah. a man's strength with yeah. his his vulnerability, his sensitivity. I which is how which is what a real man is to me is a man who knows how to balanced the two and that's what that's what masculinity is yes you know we have this false idea of what we view as masculinity but masculinity is being able to actually have the strength to be vulnerable yes and to be tender and to be Mm -hmm. soft and to be gentle Mm -hmm. that's masculine yes making me feel safe yes that's masculine yeah so i i love that yeah i love that i love that i love her work She's, 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 um... And to touch on the African versus African-American, black American, black American thing, um, she says, uh, she says, African-American women are easy, inferior. Africans are dirty, jungle people. African-Americans are lazy, indolent. African people are too black, ugly. African-Americans think they are better than us. Africans think they are better than us. 
it ties in a little bit with the last yeah. episode that we had yes. where we touched on that. Um, and um, the the mental slavery, the the divisive. This only works to continue to divide us as people. But I love that she touched on it from her perspective, being an African, living in America, yeah. and seeing the seeing the two different perspectives. Because she gives you the perspective as what African, what an African may say, like, oh, African women are easy. They're inferior. Exactly. And where an African-American may say, Africans are dirty. They're like, exactly. they live in a jungle. So I, li- I like the two perspectives yes. put in together and the way that she did it. And then she even has the little excerpt after that says, listen to the sound of us. Mm-hmm. We are breaking our mother's hearts. The ancestors weep at how much we look like the hate that we ca- that came to eat us. There you go. Foolishness, right? Mm-hmm. And like, if we're gonna close off with salt, mm-hmm. this this what I find so playful. Mm-hmm. I bleed every month, but don't, but do not die. How am I not magic? The lie. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That, that was that was fun. Yeah, fun and, and so real. Yeah. So. I know you read Warson, Warson oh Sheer, and she's definitely. Cool. Let's talk about her. My heart is so full. <laughs> I love her. Yes. I absolutely love her. Um, some of the notes I wrote were disturbing brilliance. Um, and just, I was just, I don't know. She talks a lot about, you know, the the narratives of Islam, and I can I can really appreciate that from the beginning. The title alone in itself is beautiful. Um, so the book is Teaching My Mother How to Give Birth. What do you think that means? It's a lot, right? It's it's a it's a lot because in the in the in the book she touches on a little bit about her mother. Yeah. You know, there's one where she ta- talks about the men, the first kiss she's had. And how that man turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about her father. Yeah. She talks about her family, like her uncles. And so I think teaching my mother how to give birth. It's heavy loaded. Yeah. I think it was almost like to truth. The truth? Yeah. Like almost teaching. I I, I took it as teaching my mother how to give birth is almost like this realizing and coming into and this truth mm-hmm. about yourself and who mm-hmm. you are and unpacking that. And it's like, you know, my mother, you gave birth to me, but as a, as a strong woman, as an independent thinker, as a woman that, you know, is practicing her autonomy, it's like my mother, who comes from a different generation, I need mm-hmm. to teach you how to birth these things yeah. that are embodied in you, that are impacted in you things that maybe you don't even realize Mm -hmm. are affecting you and now here is my way to do exactly what i'm giving you life Mm. like that's how oh my gosh Mm -hmm. oh chills Mm -hmm. everywhere the first time i i i'm i used to be on tumblr a lot maybe too much and that's where (laughs) i discovered uh her work and um she wrote a lot of poetry, and I was like, "Wow, she has she has a very distinctive voice. Her voice is a force." Yeah, Warsan gives you no exit. No, you're she. She is a force. She puts you in this little room with all these emotions that are true and vivid, and 
she's a force. I love her. So when I first discovered her, I decided to, I looked for her. I looked for her work and I bought the book. This, um, yeah. And um, I just came through it when I bought it. And the first one that came to, that I actually like read, it was In Love and in War. Okay. And she says, to my daughter, I will say, when the men come, set yourself on fire. Yes. Child. <laughs> child. I love I'm that. like, ah, oh, it's so, so good. And it's, yeah. it's, it means so many things. She says, in love and in war. Yeah. So, but she talks a lot about wars mm-hmm. and in her book and her experience as, as a refugee. And we all know what war brings, yeah. the the ugliness and the violence that it brings. And in this one, it's like she says, it's either, it's two ways. Take your own destiny because, or they will take it from you. They will yeah. decide what they do with your life. Yeah. So take it upon yourself and set yourself on fire because anyways, there's no, nothing good comes out of it. Yeah. So die in dignity. Yeah. Or it could say, Set yourself on fire. Um, no, I think I think that's actually like the only interpretation I got from it. Yeah, die, and it's crazy because rarely will we say that setting yourself on fire was dying with dignity. But when you know what's to come, it's true. It, it may be better. So I think that's one of that's one of her poems that made me like this is it. This is she's one of my faves. And did you know that she? Um, well, I told you about it. Like she, a lot of the lemonade film is um, some of the poetry that she touches. That Beyonce says before going into the music video. Okay, is from Worse and Cheer. They work together. I didn't know that, yeah. but that makes sense because that poetry is it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I just lastly have to touch on the kitchen. Yes, I have to go into that. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the kitchen is a beautiful poem. And I'll read it, and then I'll, I'll kind of unpack it a little bit. So, half a papaya and palm, uh, and a palm full of sesame oil. Lately, your husband's mind has been elsewhere. So what I did was, I thought it was interesting, you know, the foods that she was talking about. So I started to look them up mm-hmm. and see what connections. Mm-hmm. Girl, when I looked up <laughs> papaya and sesame oil, it's, it, it's almost like a herbal way or... I don't know where, where it was used, I think maybe back in parts of Africa, for abortions, to get rid of pregnancies. So when she says, half a papaya and a palm full of sesame oil, lately your husband's mind has been elsewhere. Wow. Does he have this woman pregnant? Mm-hmm. Does he like the, Now I'm thinking that. Mm-hmm. She goes to say, um, honey dates goat's milk. You want to quiet the bloating of salt. Uh, so honey dates and goat's milk is known as an increase for sexual stamina. Okay. So you want to quiet the bloating of salt. Um, coconut and uh, ghee butter. He kisses the back of your neck at the stove. Um, so this one has anti-infectious properties. Mm. So when people mix the two, like it's known for having anti-infectious um properties in it so now we see him moving from his mind wandering to her to now he's physically touching her and she talks about anti-infectious like you know there's that Mm -hmm. then cayenne and roasted pine nuts um so i wrote here it's for uh, oh yes actually let me finish so cayenne and roasted pine nuts you offer him the hollow of your throat 
So this is known as irritant for throat and runs for the energy of women. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, saffron and rosemary. You don't ask him her name. Antidepressant. And cogn- and is also associated sorry, with cognitive performance. Wow. Associated with your memory. Yeah. Then she goes on to vine leaves and olives. You let him lift you by the waist. Weight loss. Ay, ay. Yeah. Cinnamon and tamarind lay you down on the kitchen counter. It benefits your body in different ways. Um, almonds soaked in rose water. Your husband is hungry. Okay. Took me a while to make a connection. I might be reaching here, mm-hmm. but everyone stay with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if anyone's listening and they have they're they're listening to this thing, they know more, or maybe I'm please, I would sure. love to I would love to hear more. Almonds soaked in rose water, your husband is hungry. So what I read was um, in ancient Egypt and India, that was kind of like a big thing, having roasted almonds and rose water. But there's this uh, feast uh, called the Feast of Akbar's son. And this was, he was the third uh, Mughal empire of India. And rose water was very heavily recognized there. And it was a feast. So basically... um, I think it was this feast. I don't know if it was a wedding feast. And what they did was around the, the, the castle or the emperor's home or whatever it was, they had water and they put rose petals in it. And then the next day, and it was like this big party, this big feast. And then the next day, the water had absorbed from the roses. Okay. Or something like that. So yeah. the, the biggest connection that I got with, you know, almonds roasted and, and rose water was this, this historical um, Indian, I guess you could, I don't want to say proverb. But this historical Indian part of history mm-hmm. about Akbar's son and this feast. Yeah. And she goes in to say, your husband is hungry. Yeah. And then we have sweet mangoes and sugared um, lemon. He had he had forgotten the way that you taste. That's an aphrodisiac. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that. It mm-hmm. boosts your sex drive. And then another thing that I, I kind of connected was when it, she says sugared lemon, he had forgotten the way you taste. A lot of women use sugar as a way to remove hair from your vaginal right, areas. Right. So sugaring, you would add a little bit of lemon, a little bit of lime, or I'm sorry, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of lemon, and then you yeah. you heat it up, and then it's actually like a mechanism to remove hair from your yes, vaginal. That's true. And then the last uh, line is sourdough and cumin, but he cannot make, but she cannot make him eat like you. And sourdough and cumin is known to be bitter yet tasty. Sour, Ooh. bitter yet tasty. So she's, that's how she's feeling. That That's just me unpacking and unveiling. Yes. I don't know if I'm reaching. No, I don't know. I don't think you're reaching at all. But it was just like, because there was something about this. I'm like, I just don't feel like she would just mention these things just to mention these things. Yeah. So as I started Googling and researching, I started seeing connections. And I was Meaning. like, oh my God, yeah. she is a genius. Yes. I just added another layer, another depth to, yeah. to, the, to the poem. So, I think that's a good note to wrap on. <laughs> no, she's she's she's, she's very good. She's uh, if you if you don't know her, definitely Google her. Her, uh, Watson Cheer, uh, Dennis Smith, and um, Nayira yeah. Wahid that we read. Um, but we also have another. Another poet to read from. Oh my gosh! I hear from. I, I I actually forgot. I did not think we were gonna do this. <laughs> You're lying. You're lying. She's lying. But we can. <laughs> <laughs> She's obviously lying. <laughs> oh my god. 
So our very own, our very own misread co-host, Jolene, is a writer herself. Not only does she write films and manuscripts, and uh, she does documentaries, but she also writes poetry. And I don't know, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> when she told me, like, I was surprised, but I wasn't really surprised. Like, Jolene is such a, like, a renaissance woman that I was like, but oh, of course you, you write poetry. You. And I'm here to appreciate it. Yes. Okay. So, basically, um, since I was little, I was always writing. Mm-hmm. Always writing. Uh, I literally have every single journal from when I was a child. Uh, I reread them all the time. Mm-hmm. I even have a box of notes. Just mm-hmm. even notes I would pass to my friends in church. I'd pass in class. Yeah. I keep everything that I've ever written and short, short stories. Poetry, the way that I was kind of introduced to it was more uh, spoken word. So... What happened was I was living in the States for a while doing HIV and AIDS research and I got into this group of like, you know, these these kind of rebels that you didn't really have a home and they wrote a lot and they would perform in cafes and all that kind of stuff. And they pretty much taught me how to take things that I had been through or that I was feeling and how to perform them. Okay. So majority of it had to do with being able to perform what I was feeling inside. Okay. Uh, and just simple, you know, simple simple concepts mm-hmm. so the one that i'll read you today i don't have a name for it um but i'll never forget i was actually sitting in a starbucks and i was reading and it just kind of came to me about how i was feeling about myself at the time okay. so it goes like this mm-hmm. i'll have a caramel frappuccino no make that with extra caramel and extra whipped cream to fulfill my starbucks dream a few added calories means today i order tall convincing myself Extra added confessions are nothing more than caffeine's affection, addictive connections, mental erections. I'm awake now. Yeah, extra is what I'm having today. Although one might say our wants become needs, our likes turn into greed. From this, we plant seeds of poison. You see, yesterday I ordered a venti, nice and large, but this time I got vanilla bean with soy milk. Because that's what healthy means, right? Craving so sincere, feeling so dear. Motive unclear. I convince myself that by getting a bigger size, I can quench and fulfill those needs. One slurp, two slurps, till it's gone. It's funny because I'm full, yet I still haven't been fed. And I didn't feed me. And so that's why today I'm having a caramel frappuccino with extra caramel and extra whipped cream to fulfill my Starbucks dream. Too often have I held back because of guilty pleasures, society exposing my secret endeavors, or because he changes his mind as to what is beautiful like the weather. But I'm here to say that I'm no longer running away and that I'm accepting these feelings that are here. Lord, help me with this. Because I've made up my mind and extra is what I'm having today. I'm trading my caramel frappuccino with some confidence for me though, and that extra caramel, replace it with some extra care. And instead of whipped cream, I'll take a double shot of self-esteem. But what you now or can't see is that my Starbucks passion, my Starbucks lover, my Starbucks dream is only but a reflection of me. Snaps fingers. <laughs> yes. So, Love yeah. it. Is it a coincidence that you brought food and taste <laughs> and flavors yeah, and the one that. point for more sun? Also so touches on that. I didn't even take that in until you just said that. But <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got to uncover that that there's something in that. So. No, I love it. How long have you been writing? You said you've been writing since you since were a I child. Was, yeah, and since I was really young. But did you have like a moment of 
of peak? Is it when you met the, yeah. that group in the States? and Probably around 20 to 23 mm-hmm. is when I wrote most of my um, spoken word. And right. a lot of it came from places of pain. I had gone through, you know, some times in my life that one day we'll, we'll uncover. Yeah. And it just was my outlet. I didn't know how else to express it. And it, it came from there. And I think that's one of the reasons why I put a lot of my poetry away and I don't share it mm-hmm. is because it's a reminder Okay. And I didn't, I've never actually, if I'm being honest, I've never created poetry while I'm happy. Okay. Never. I've never written a poem at all. Mm-hmm. Short stories, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But a poem I've never written from a happy place. in a happy place mm-hmm. ever. I've not motivated when I'm in a happy place. Right. I don't know. It's, I, I hear you. I think a lot mm-hmm. of artists share that too. Yeah. For some re- reason, a lot of creativity comes from pain. Yeah. I don't know why our brain are wired that way, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. um, I under, I hear you on that. And do you do? Did you perform that, or is it some? Are you more of a writer and you write it and you put it away, like you say, or are you also comfortable sharing it on a platform on a stage? I would. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that here in Canada. Okay. Um, and I think it's easier to do things when you're abroad because nobody, nobody nobody knows, knows you. you. <laughs> um, but I I. I feel like, you know, full circle has come into my life that I'm kind of getting back into the arts. I think I've always been a bit of a creative soul, but I've never tapped into it fully. I kind of did the whole corporate thing. And now I'm doing a bit of both. And maybe I would be open to sharing a stage and performing. Starbucks, if you're listening, uh, you can sponsor (laughs) us. Uh, You owe it. (laughs) No, I'm really happy that you shared it with us. It was beautiful. Thank you. And I love your style. And I totally think you would kill it as a performer. As a performer, if you were to like perform it, I think it would be be awesome. Okay, thank well, you for sharing your art. Thank you for thank you for reminding me because girl, I tried to shut that down. Like, <laughs> okay, so let's end on this no, note. And you were not happy. That was it. not gonna happen. <laughs> that was not gonna happen. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you all for listening to yeah. this episode. Please leave us your comments. Tell Julian if you want to hear more <laughs> from her. Um, subscribe, leave us a review. We'll see you at the next episode. Bye.